You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. Greetings, carbon-based units. Alan Seiler. Hello, bags of mostly water. Veronica Daschle. <laughs> Hi. And for the first time this week, Matt Sweatman. Hello, everybody. And welcome to the show. Matt? Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. All right, we're going to move quickly through news and history this week and then get into our discussion because we have a full house this week. Ooh, what do we ever? Well, there's only one real quick. Well, there's a couple of news things, but there's only one that's worth focusing on. And that is the fact that our beloved LeVar Burton is going to be receiving a Lifetime Achievement Emmy Award for his work with Reading Rainbow, which he hosted Yay. for 21 years. Wow. That's crazy. Isn't that insane? So, I mean, well done and well-deserved. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I didn't know it was 21 years. Yeah. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I never watched. I think I watched one episode. I I was probably, I don't know if I was way past the age, (laughs) but I've only seen one episode of it. (laughs) Well, it didn't start until 86. So you and I were way past the age. Yeah. I was right at the age. I was born in 1980. So I was right at the age. I was five when it started. (laughs) And I loved reading Rainbow. So yes. I think that's well-deserved. Yeah, I do remember the one episode yeah. early on where they showed behind-the-scenes stuff mm-hmm. from season one of TNG. Mm-hmm. We watched that at school. No way. <laughs> and I'm not going to tell that story, but go go back to our <laughs> story that we did in one of our first podcasts, and I told that story. Uh, we oh, yeah, we watched about that. When I was in the first grade, that's one of my earliest Star Trek memories. Is that oh, episode. that's right. Oh, that's so cool. Well, look, I saw... I saw Roots in first run. <laughs> oh, baby, me too. Me too. With our generation, we were we knew more from yeah. Roots than we did from reading Rainbow. I think. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I'm and I'm really happy that Lavar Burton because breaking out with Roots, which is his first role, he could have become a one hit wonder with something like that. And that's that happens so much, especially with science fiction people. Even if they become famous with their science fiction shows, and then they don't do a lot. It's really cool that he had something else to do. And even behind the scenes, he's become a really well-known director with track. So it's cool that he basically had a, I guess, a life outside of other roots or Star or just Star Trek. You know, that's kind of cool. All right. That's it. All right. We have some this week in history this week. Yeah, run through this real quick. There's a couple people I didn't want to ignore. So I'm just going to, I'm not, hey, Matt, usually I try to do really bad impersonations of people, but I'm just going to go real quick. Uh, there was there was four I wanted to highlight because they were super important to Star Trek. On the 24th of April, 1936 was the birthday of one Jill Ireland. Wow. Uh, yeah. Mrs. Charles Bronson. Layla Colomi. <laughs> yeah. Layla Colomi. And one of the best Star Treks ever. I just love that episode. I love everything about mm-hmm. that. Uh, I, I always find it interesting in that episode, the original, as I'm sure you guys know, the original idea was that Sulu was going to mm-hmm. play the role. They ended up going as far. Mm-hmm. It would have been a completely different show. Works better with Fox. Yeah. Another one I'm going to jump to, and uh, I have this thing where I really like looking at people who were born a long time ago. It's really <laughs> wild. <laughs> This first was born on the 26th of April, 1916. Wow. 
which I just love. And there's no way to do this without giving it away. So I'm just going to say it. We are in control. We control the horizontal. <laughs> we control the vertical. You know who that yes. is, right? Is that Vic Perrin? That's Vic yep. Perrin, the voice of the Outer Limits, who also played, was it Thrawn the Hulkin in Mirror he Mirror? He was the Hulkin. I don't remember his name. Yeah, yeah, I think that's his name. He also played, he did the voice of the Metron and the voice of Nomad yeah. in the original series. Fantastic. All right, moving on super fast. Um, I I have to, you have to do this on 29th of April, 1955. Set a cuss for home. Well, let's try it again. Set a cuss for home. <laughs> or coffee black. Like Catherine, Janeway. Yeah, Kate Mulgrew. That's Janeway. Kate Mulgrew. Hey, I got yeah. that one. 29th. <laughs> when you said set a course for home, I was like, oh, I know that one. <laughs> That's it. So she's born on the 29th of April, 1955. And another thing I just love, because we always know, Alan, what's the name of the actress who was originally supposed to be in Voyager, whose name I can't pronounce? Jean-Vievre Bujold. Yeah, legendary thing. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like um, Pike and Kirk. Um, we wouldn't have had Mulgrew. And I. It's, it's not just they do, I think, good things in the series, but she's come back now for Prodigy. And she's doing fan stuff. And some of these actors you see who originally picked for the role, even if they had still been around, sometimes you wonder if they would have done all that. So it's really cool that she was the one who became Catherine Janeway. And then the last one, this is just, this has to be mentioned. 24th of April, 1989 was the debut of the, the ultimate evolution of the martial arts. <laughs> <laughs> Ambo Jitsu? <laughs> yes, that the episode the Icarus Factor oh, premiered. I'm sorry. Right. Why did you why did you not stop at three? Why did you feel you needed to go to that one? Martial arts is important. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so bad it's memorable and that is this week in track history awesome well we'll take a quick break from a fellow ESO network podcast show and then when we come back we're going to get into our discussion topic so stay right there in the cosmic pizza podcast your pizza delivery guys Dan, Sean and Paul serve you a slice of life we talk to women in comedy, voice actors, film directors and producers, authors. We also talk about conspiracy theories, the Muppets, our top three films of the decades, famous people we confuse with each other, and our favourite stand-up comedians. We have recast Star Trek The Original Series and Babylon 5, and created our alternative superheroes. But most of all, we have had so much fun doing it every two weeks. Two weeks! The Cosmic Pizza Podcast is not about the cosmos or about pizza. All right, so joining us this week for the first time, Mr. Matt Swetman, who our listeners have heard from before. You're very active in our group, and you you sent us a lot of great questions of the week. Yes. So, Matt, welcome to the show, and I wanted to ask you, like, how did you get into Star Trek? Well, I've always had an interest in space travel. Uh, Star Wars was my first uh, geek interest. Um, I was 17 when Star Trek The Next Generation debuted. And I found myself wanting something a little more, you know, at 17, you get more active politically, socially. Mm -hmm. And um, Star Wars never really satisfied that desire. But Star Trek, I found to be something that at that age spoke to me. Uh, Next, and Next Generation was a good entry point, I think, to get into Star Trek. So I would watch all the reruns as they aired on TV of the original Star Trek. And uh, then I would seek out a lot of the pocketbook novels, and I really got heavy into it for a good 10 years. Um, mm. 
I've been, um, at that time I got burned out on it and, um, and I would go back and forth. I've always had some interest in it when a movie would come out, of course I would watch it. And, but, um, here lately with the Paramount plus and just in general, I find myself really getting heavily back into star Trek and, okay. uh, that's basic. That's basically the short version. <laughs> yeah. Well, how have you been enjoying the Paramount Plus show so far? More bad than good. Okay. Uh, far from perfect. Um, yep. I Strange New Worlds. I'm really looking forward to next week. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be a return to form a little yep. bit, hopefully. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I really like what they're doing. I'm glad they returned to the Prime Universe instead of trying to build on the Kelvin Universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a good direction to go. Oh yeah, absolutely. Do you have a favorite series? Well, my favorite series is probably the original Star Trek. I'm not saying it's the best. The best is probably Deep Space Nine. Well, the best (laughs) is Deep Space Nine. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Favorites can be different than best. That is 100% correct. I agree. That is true. Oh, yeah. 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 And there's a lot that goes into what's your favorite. I mean, yeah. So many of us started watching it when we were young. And you have a lot of strong attachment to it because you were a kid watching it, you know? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Well, Not me. Absolutely. No, no. <laughs> well, you're, you're a kid now watching it. <laughs> I watched TNG as a kid, okay. sort of. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> hey, Matt, when you said that, um, when you said that you're looking forward to Strange New Worlds, dude, as you probably know, that could be a meme of the internet right now. When I look out on groups and anything on the internet, all I'm hearing, not all, but a lot, everybody's like, strange in the world. I'm thinking, man, if that, if that show sucks, <laughs> yeah, they are. Down yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> Don't screw it up, guys. Right. A lot of pressure on that show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. Uh, Keith, now you suggested a, the discussion topic this week. So why don't, why don't you explain what, what it is we're talking about tonight? Yeah, real simple topic. <laughs> Canon. <laughs> One word. I think um, if, when you're a Star Trek fan and Matt said he came in with TNG and then went backwards and he said that um, the new track was more bad than good. Uh, there's so many people you read online and Facebook groups and stuff who say that they like the new track. And you can tell that a lot of them came in with new track or they came in with the Kelvin universe. Some of us came with the original series. A whole bunch of people came with TNG. And if you look across all those different generations of track, you'll see that things have changed. There's just little tweaks like I so, and sometimes it bothers you, sometimes it doesn't. But the Klingons change bothers me. Which, which Klingon change are you talking about? Oh, the Klingons I mean, and Discovery. That, yeah, that is the key <laughs> yeah, that one. Because the Klingons have changed. Many yeah, times. there's like ten changes that you use. Right. I mean, exactly. I don't see. There's no reason to exactly because the one thing that stays constant in Klingons is change. <laughs> it's changed. That's a good point. And see that, and, but Alan, what you just said, it actually makes that point. And then some people that yeah. doesn't bother, and then some people it does. Some people get it tied up in the technology. Some people don't. I mean, I hate to say this. And they announced Kirk for the new series. My first thought was, well, in the original series, Kirk said he only met Pike, and Pike became <laughs> the fleet captain. So he, he should only be able to show whether. And some people are like get over it. Charles has recently said, <laughs> we don't know that they meet. That's good. So point. We'll have That's to true. see. Yeah. So I thought it would just be a fun thing to talk about in light of all the series and in light of new track. Yeah. How do we all feel about that? Because I think mm-hmm. people are on yeah. the map with that. And, and ultimately, they the reason that these corporations put Star Trek on the title of a TV show is to get you to watch it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, like Paramount doesn't care yeah. about Star Trek. Paramount, Paramount cares about you subscribing to their service. So they put Star Trek in the title. But with that comes the expectation that you're getting a show mm-hmm. that builds upon the Star Trek universe. So I think that while I think that they should have the right. creative opportunities to do 
new things. Mm -hmm. I think that, I mean, audience members who are looking at a Star Trek show and thinking that they're getting something consistent with the Star Trek universe aren't off base. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Completely. And I think it's I think it's funny that you say that. you know that you specify a reason why uh any entity would tack the word Star Trek onto something because then you jump back to Enterprise seasons one and two mm. where there was no word Star Trek in yes. the title. So That's it's true. like they weren't they weren't trying Absolutely. to get you to watch. <laughs> and it they was, succeeded. It was doomed <laughs> from the beginning. <laughs> And you know what's so funny, Alan? And I I love the fact that it didn't say Star Trek Enterprise. I loved it. I love that it only said Enterprise. And if you remember, they also didn't say, um, they didn't put the after name as. Mm. They just put the after name. It was almost like they were trying to make it seem like it was a real thing. So it would just say Scott Bakula. It didn't say Scott Bakula as. Even though it didn't say Star Trek at the beginning of Enterprise, I spent a lot of time watching Enterprise and being mad that they were ignoring the continuity <laughs> when I was you know, 21 years old. In what ways um, for you? Because it's so funny because uh, I, I actually love Enterprise. I love it more with each passing year. But there are some continuity issues that bother me, but some that don't. So what was it for you? A big struggle that I had with Enterprise was that I felt it should be a prequel to the original series. But instead, I feel like it was a prequel to the next generation era of Star Trek shows. I felt like they picked up on, mm. I mean, they, because it was the same production team, largely, it was the same manner of storytelling, right. right? You know, you, you would go through a script and just scratch out, uh, you know, shields at 20% and put hole plating at 20%. That doesn't make it more primitive. You're just changing the vernacular, <laughs> you know? Um, right. Whereas, right. you know, with Spock's descriptions of that era of the Romulan war, much more primitive ships, you know what I mean? Um, and you had Nausicans on the show. You had Ferengi on the show. You had Borg on the show before you had Orions, you know, before yeah. you had really Tellarites. So I felt like yeah. they weren't honoring the idea of doing a Star Trek prequel. They were doing a prequel to their own shows that they had made. And that's something that I really struggled with, especially when the Romulans showed up with cloaking devices and green ships. And I was like, what do you, I mean, this is just backtracking from the next generation. It's not an original series prequel. And that's a struggle that I had throughout the run of Enterprise. I had sort of the same thing too, but, and, and in some of the ways that you're mentioning, but to me, it was more that you're building so much on um, new aliens that we never saw or heard right. from again past that point. You know, like if the, if we haven't ventured out into deep space yet and we already are in contact with and have associations mm -hmm. with Denobulans, then they sure. must yeah. be close by. You know what I mean? So if they're that close by, then how could we never have heard of them in TOS or TNG mm -hmm. or DS9 or Voyager? You know, it, it just it, it was a stretch too far. I will also say that uh, jumping into season three, I had a hard time with because if you were going to start your season with an occurrence that is so massive of Earth being attacked by unknown aliens and like cutting a huge chunk out of your planet and killing a bunch of people that would have been part of star trek i mean they're adding something so massive into star trek timeline that would have somehow been acknowledged or referenced or something later on mm. it just seemed like too big of a change now having said that mm. you know that i love season three and it's <laughs> still one of my right. favorite seasons of star trek mm. but at first that was the thing that I really got hung up on. Matt, are you an Enterprise fan? I want to be. <laughs> um, 
No, uh, <laughs> I mentioned this a little bit on Facebook. We were talking, and I um, mm-hmm. it was at a bad time when it came out. I was getting a little more burnt out on Star Trek. Mm. Um, I felt like it was a little bit too much. Um, I will say that I did like it better than Voyager, but I still I dropped off mm. in, in the third season. And I'm we're, we're going to start a rewatch. It's, it's actually if if this works out like I hope, this is going to be a massive rewatch project from the beginning of Star Trek history to the later seasons of discovery would be the latest one's chronology right now wow it's, it's a massive project and and i have a tendency to not finish off these things. So <laughs> i'm not gonna I'm, don't hold me to it <laughs> it's a lot of episodes matt <laughs> it is a, lot. a few movies thrown yeah. in there too right i think uh i think what um charles and al was saying about continuity um or uh, canon canon with enterprise is very interesting because i'm like alan where some of the some of the things Enterprise did for Canon, I didn't like. Um, it drove me crazy when they introduced mm. the Organians. There's, uh, and we're not going to spoil anything for you, Matt, because uh, if you haven't watched it all the way through. But when they introduced um, some races like the Organians and the Ferengi, because I agree with you, it was a callback that wasn't needed to other shows. And and for me, the thing about it always was I didn't want Enterprise to just try to, to be treading the same path that Kirk and Picard and them had, tra- had tried. I actually love the fact that they introduced aliens we never heard of, even though it was a little complicated, like such as the Nobelians and so forth. And it's funny that most people love season four of Enterprise because Manny Cotto run it. And it was an incredibly well-written and a well-produced season, but it was also the fan fan service season, as far as I'm concerned. And all the stories are great. And I can't deny the stories are great, but I didn't like all the stories that were just called back to what I already knew. Um, but, But some of the changes to canon, like the Borg and so forth, it really did drive me crazy because um, I've kind of felt and how do y'all feel about this? I've always kind of felt that the framework of the Federation and Starfleet as outlined probably in the original series in the TNG universe, I think they should, I always kind of felt like they should kind of sort of keep it there. And sometimes I think people will feel like they're trying to add a little bit too much to it or take a little bit away from it. So when they do things like, like the spore drive, for example, the spore drive and discovery drives me crazy. And I know people say, and they said that basically they just hid it. You know, like once it was gone, the ship was gone literally from that time and space. But that's just, to me, that's a bridge too far. For me, that's a canon violation that just doesn't make any sense. So that one drives me bonkers. I don't like the spore Mm. drive because of that. I'm glad they tried to get rid of it. Um, I'm struggling with Section 31 for the same reason, Section 31 and Discovery, because that canon is established by what originally what Deep Space Nine and then retroactively by Enterprise, Sections 31 was something, but you never knew how big it was. Like in DS9, um, what's his name tried to pass it off? The guy who was running it tried to pass it off like it was a room with like two people. But then Admiral Ross knew about it. And you kind of don't know. But then by the time you get to Discovery, they've got ships and they got badges. And everyone knows exactly what Section 31 is. Yeah. And then just like the spore drive, then they said, well, maybe it faded. It to me, that's a that to me, that's a canon change that I just don't like. And to me, that's like a fan service canon change where they go say, hey, let's go look, let's go find this really cool thing and let's insert it into a time where it didn't exist. I have a problem sometimes what I feel is fan service that goes too far. So for me, stuff like the spore drive and section 31 being that prominent, to me, that's canon changes I just don't like. Yeah, and there's a difference too in the way that the way they treat references and 
and using continuity. You know, back back when Next Gen was on, they made a conscious effort right. to avoid the original series as mm-hmm. much as they could. I mean, eventually you get Sarek. Yeah. I mean, right. was that season three when Sarek mm-hmm. comes on? And then, I mean, you're season five yeah. before you have Scotty or Spot coming along. Whereas now, I mean, Lower Deck, yeah. that's their bread and butter is referencing <laughs> Star Trek. And I think they've seen Absolutely. that that's successful because yeah. it's spilling over into the other Star Trek shows as well. I mean, but the other ones don't know how to do it. The, new, the new season of Picard, I mean, it's like Lower Decks. You can go through and count the references, which <laughs> I, I, I don't for one, I mean, I don't know how I feel about it, because on the one hand, I like catching the references. And I like going nudging Veronica and saying, hey, yes. that, that's a reference to this. You know what I mean? But at the same time, but then it doesn't actually do anything for the story. Yeah, you've got to be building a good, a good quality story or else. I mean, it's just, you know, a doctor who went through this uh, a few years ago where, I mean, eventually you're it's like the snake eating its own tail. You know, you've got to be giving something new if instead of just referencing yourself. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that's what the new track has done a lot of because. And, and I think at some point, I know some people have said, for example, I was listening to someone that was saying, um, for example, when they introduce um, things like the, well, I didn't like the Temple Cold War and Enterprise, mm-hmm. but when they introduce the uh, the Zindi, the Zindi arc, like as Alan was saying, some people say the Zindi arc never should have existed because it was just wrong. Now, for me, I'm okay with the Zindi arc because, again, there's almost like a, sometimes it's almost like a loophole where there's a whole bunch of stuff like, Star Trek universe doesn't tell you what happened every single day of all the centuries. So I was okay with inserting inserting the Zindi war. But as Alan said, what drove me crazy was a freaking probe that carved a trench across Florida. Well, you can't retroactively do that because that would have been mentioned sometime in the future. So I think the Zindi arc was a great arc, but I think how they introduced it, that, that change to this attack on Florida, I thought that was... That was a canon change that made no sense. So I did have a problem with that. Not to mention, as much as I do like the Zindi arc, I've said this a billion times. If you're going to blow up a planet, you don't send a probe to destroy a sloth of the planet and alert the people. I guess it would have been like uh, Godzilla versus <laughs> Bambi. What really should have happened was the, was the Zindi weapon showed up and Earth yeah. got blown up. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much all. Or they could they, they, they could have had something else where maybe some kind of spy or some Andorian or somebody found out about it and told Archer and that would have started it. But that canon change was a bridge too far for me and went on Enterprise when they did that with the, the probe that attacked her, as were the Borg, even though I know they said that next first contact caused the change, but the Borg on Enterprise was also a bridge too far for me. That's That kind of fan service canon so, I don't like. So canon for me is something that's been established and est- clearly established mm-hmm. for a large chunk of time and it may have been changed from what it originally yeah. was, but once it's been this thing for so long, changing it at that point seems. Give an example. Uh, uh, so, um, I mean, for me, the Klingons, because mm. it was one thing there, it was like three episodes in the original yeah, series. And even in the movies, even the first time you saw them in the movies, yes, there was definitely change between that and the Klingons on DS9, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't a huge major change. And personally, me, I can't tell a huge difference. The ridges are there that they have the wild hair. They have the same. It's it's all general the same. There were like tweaks, which but then they just decide to go in all kind of crazy different directions with the Klingons in every single movie and every single series. Um, and like with the trill, they take, they took the trill and yes, they completely changed it from what it was originally in their first episode, in the first episode in TNG. 
but they had never mentioned yeah. it again. And yes. once they established the trill, it's been established. And even when they used it in Discovery, it was still, it seemed, mm -hmm. the established trill that we had. Right. So for me, canon is when you have something established, and this is clearly a thing. Yeah. And then they just mm -hmm. ignore it. Nope, we're going to do something else. Yeah. That didn't happen. Well, like I, I can tell the difference between the Star Trek three to six Klingons versus the Michael Westmore Klingons from Next Generation and DS9. There's differences in the makeup. But just to a fan like yourself, you don't notice that. Yeah, that the the nose is different and the makeup, the hair is different. Um, so They're yeah, I mean, enough. so essentially from Star Trek three through Enterprise, uh, which is what two thousand five. I mean, you've you've got twenty years mm -hmm. there of the Klingons looking. They evolved over the course of that time, but essentially it's the same Klingon look. You know, and I think I think what y'all saying about the Klingons brings up something I think is very. Uh, I think I'm glad you brought that up. Is because it's very interesting. Is when you think about TNG. Well, if you think about the movies of the original series movies and TNG and Voyager and everybody before Discovery, even if they were tweaking the look of the Klingons very slightly, they were still mm -hmm. holding to the canon right. of the history of the Klingons. And I think one of the problems I have with some of the other tracks, I can't call Abrams track. Mm -hmm. I can't really talk about them because it's a whole different universe. They can do whatever they want. But some of the things I've seen with some of the new, newer track shows is they're not just changing maybe the looks, but they're almost mm -hmm. changing the history of things. Um, Guinan, for example, Guinan's personality, as 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 shown in Picard, really bugs me, because according to the canon, we know that's not how Guinan would be reacting. Again, I know people say, well, maybe she got pissed off because she's been on Earth for 100 years and she thought we would progress further. I'm just, it just, it doesn't work for me. So I agree with you. I was okay with changing the Klingons when they went from looking like humans to looking like the people with the ridges, and then of course Roddenberry said, well, I always wanted to look this way, so we're cool. But yeah, when they showed up in Discovery, and and then there was, it just, it for me, yeah, it was a bridge too far. And then there was things that were showing up. There was cloaking technology in Discovery that had not been introduced yet. That's canon change that I think it's too far. And I feel like that's fan service. I think that's people who go get stuff that's cool and say, let's plug it in. And I do think that changes canon and the time continuity in ways that it shouldn't be. We shouldn't be work, we shouldn't be messing with cloaking devices in Discovery or Enterprise. We shouldn't have the Klingons look like they look. I mean, there's cloaking yeah, devices all over. Yeah, exactly. It. And see, yeah, and it's 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 a fan service callback that sometimes bothers me because I think you can still tell a good story with what mm -hmm. came before without having to add those other elements. So it bothers me sometimes. Like Discovery, honestly, Discovery and some of the new Trek shows, it's bothered me greatly how they do it. Also, sometimes I honestly feel that the writing doesn't integrate it well. So I, I mm. notice it. it feels clumsy almost yeah. to me personally. It feels a little clumsy, but sometimes I know shows have to evolve because as people always pointed out, nobody back when Gene Rodney wrote his first his first draft of the show Star Trek, which mm -hmm. is on my birthday, by the way, March 11th, 1964. Nobody but nobody, including Roddenberry, thought this thing was going to have this right. kind of legs. Nobody thought it was going to live this many decades. So I know that sometimes we put maybe too much of a mm of a gaze on it but i agree with what veronica said as well is if if it's been established for and if that's going to pretty much mean the original series and tng if it's been established for 20 30 years i think you have a good enough framework where you can work within the framework without having yeah. to change the framework i also i sometimes call that lazy writing which may not be fair but i can't sometimes tell if it's lazy writing or just fan service writing or if it's people who are so much younger than me who don't hold to the original series as much as I do. And maybe nowadays they don't even hold to TNG as much as we do. So maybe they don't care. And I will that. say that, I mean, makeup changes don't bother me a whole lot. 
I mean, uh, I mean, the Andorians are yeah, different to... almost every time they've showed up, <laughs> you know, uh, same with the Klingons. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, the Klingons were established right. in the of mercy. They came back for the second time in Friday's child with different makeup. Mm-hmm. But things like right. you mentioned, like the cloaking devices is mm-hmm. a story point and story points bother me more. I mean, balance of terror hinges on that cloaking device and it, with it being new. So when you've got cloaking devices yeah. 10 years earlier in discovery, or you've got cloaking mm-hmm. devices a hundred years earlier in enterprise, but then at the same time, I mean, it's right. I mean, as we progress technologically, you would think that we 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 should expect um, you know greater technological advancements in Star Trek. You know what I mean? I do have an example of a uh, continuity error that bugs me. Um, this has bugged me since the very beginning when I came in with Next Generation. We we've seen several examples of how uniforms and ships change designs very rapidly in Starfleet, except <laughs> mm-hmm. apparently from the time of Star Trek two to not long before next generation, where they had the same uniforms and that damn yeah. Celsius class starship, which is still being used in early seasons of next generation that we first saw <laughs> in Star Trek three. Right. Uh, so that 90 year or so period, there was like the same uniform. That just bugs the crap out of There's me. There's no advancement in Starfleet <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> You know what's funny? And I love that because that doesn't bother me much at all. But I will, I'm losing my mind over the Klingons and Discovery. I love the fact we all have different points of view on that. <laughs> well, it, yeah. it, it'll bother you when they set a series in that time frame and have different uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's the truth. That's pretty, so are there any are there any um canon changes that y'all did like? And maybe like you said, maybe they they, they got into a loophole, or as you were saying, Charles, it's like, well, you you kind of you got when you retroactively look at it you had to have had that technology sooner than the first introduced i mean like the trill but that wasn't so much a canon change for me is they decided to reestablish what the trill were mm. Mm. i have an idea uh well going back to the klingon situation they had the perfect answer to the different klingons in trials and tribulation when they just asked Worf to explain it <laughs> and it was dishonorable Mm, yeah. They should have just left it at that. It was perfect. It was enigmatic. Everybody can interpret it however they wanted to. And it was yes. funny. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The thing that drives me crazy about the Star Trek shows is they keep deliberately targeting areas that are continuity minefields. Yes. 10 years before the original series should be open ground. There's only 79 episodes of the original series. Most of the universe mm-hmm. is, un- is unexplored, but they involve mm-hmm. Spock directly in the story. They involve yeah. Pike directly yes. in the story. And then they right. said, well, continuity is too much. So we're going to move Discovery a thousand years in the future, free of continuity. And then say, also, we're doing a new spinoff with Spock and Pike <laughs> and, the, and the Enterprise. Like, yeah. you're, you're deliberately targeting these areas that are continuity minefields. Like if you, if you, uh, continuity is not hard. It's a big universe. <laughs> Just have a new exactly. starship and new characters and go off somewhere we've never seen. And you don't got to worry about it. Exactly. This is the thing that happens a lot. Do y'all think, and I know what the new studios will probably say, do y'all think, is it really true that they are not going to get the fans if they don't plug Kirk and Picard, I mean, Kirk and Pike and Spock into every property, which is what it seems no. like to me? No, of course not. I, I don't think so either. I mean, I don't think anybody said that. Well, I think they're going to get yeah. us regardless. But people like yeah. my mom or my brother getting Spock and Kirk, those are the characters that they know. That's the, that's the same reason to bring back Picard. It's bringing back what people are familiar with. But yeah. besides us, if you put Star Trek on something, I'm going to check it out. You know, I'm going to exactly. Gonna, I'll pay you ten dollars a month to see what Star Trek, whether I like it or not. <laughs> you right know on. what I mean? Yeah. 
Because I'm thinking that's the only reason. Yeah, that was why the movie, uh, the movies, the Kelvin Universe movies focused on mm-hmm. Kirk and Spock because they figured, oh, everybody knows them, so let's go back to doing the original crew. Right. I mean, that's the only reason I can figure that they brought Spock in to because talk about a continuity, a canon change or continuity change. <laughs> Burnham, yeah. Burnham being Spock's sister, just, I mean, it just, it's just <laughs> the most ridiculous plot I've ever seen in Star Trek. But, uh, no, okay. Uh, but, I mean, wait. and I'm, we've talked about this before. If you go back to Star Trek V and they shove Cybok at you, that was the most ridiculous thing. Oh, well, that's a good so point. I don't see any problem with Burnham after we've already established that he has family members that he has never mentioned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I I, 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 I have no problem with Burnham and I, I really enjoyed the, the way that they developed the relationship between the two of them and the family backstory and everything. I, I, I liked it a lot. Yeah. So that's what I think is really cool because Burnham and Spock being related drives me up the wall <laughs> and it doesn't bother Alan. And I think it's, I think that's really interesting how certain things bother us and certain things don't. Um, because you know, to me, it's like, is Sarah the only Vulcan who marries humans? I mean, is he the only one? I mean, it's, it just gets really weird to me. But now one thing, one one little change I, I did kind of like, which I which made sense was um, in Next Generation, Wesley talked about nanites. And there was that episode where you remember the nanites with Dr. Uh, with the guy who was, they were getting ready to, um, they were getting ready to watch the sun go nova. And Wesley did something supposedly nobody in history had ever done. He put two nanites together and let them interact. And then the nanites grew, gained intelligence and so forth. Well, we are talking about nanites now. So we know that t- technologically and scientifically, it's illogical for nanites to be new in the time of the next generation. Yeah. So I'm okay if they go back even as far as Enterprise and introduce nanites, because that's a logical change. Mm-hmm. There's also an episode of Enterprise where they discover holote- holodeck technology with another race. I'm okay with that because I'm sure other races would have it. Now you would say, well, how come they didn't have holodecks on the enterprise? Well, maybe they didn't have the technology. Maybe it wasn't deemed important. That's kind of a canon change I'm okay with. Now I've seen some people say that's wrong. They can't introduce holograms in enterprise because therefore they should have had holodecks. And then other people said, like what you said, Matt, some people say, well, how do you know they didn't have holodecks on Kirk's enterprise? And we just never saw them. The animated series had an episode on holodeck. Exactly right. Good point. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I think the fact that we all have such different views of what canon is and what bothers us and pisses us off is probably how all the new showrunners feel that they can do <laughs> canon changes. Because sometimes, like what you're saying, if they made one canon change, Alan would be like, how dare you? And I'm like, dude, what's wrong? If they do another change, Alan's like, Keith, seriously, get over it. And I'm like, no, it's the end of the world. <laughs> Maybe that's how come they keep making canon changes. I think it's kind of cool, actually. <laughs> all right. Well, let's take a quick break from a fellow ESO Network podcast show. And then when we get back, we'll be talking about the latest episode of Star Trek Picard. So stay right there. If you were a monster kid growing up, if you enjoyed Saturday mornings watching monster movie matinee, or staying up all night watching the midnight feature, then Monster Attack is the podcast for you. We not only look at classic old monster movies, we share our experience growing up as a monster kid. Join us every Monday for Monster Attack. Spoilers. 
Okay. <laughs> and that's spoilers for Star Trek Picard see, uh, season two, episode nine, hide and seek. Uh, now, Matt, you've, you've not been with us on these episodes. Uh, how, mm-hmm. how have you enjoyed Star Trek Picard so far and specifically season two? Uh, I'm, I can mirror a lot of what you said about how it's fun, but the overall story, um, I'm concerned that it's n- the overall story arc is it can't really resolve itself satisfactorily. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. So, I, <laughs> but it's fun. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. love seeing Picard. I love seeing a couple of the, well, we got one next generation actor this season, I think. Hmm. Um, well, we got one Voyager act- actress, but um, so I'm enjoying that. Um, and I'm, I'm all looking forward to next year where we sort of have the TNG reunion and uh, focus (laughs) more on finishing this season, I think. Yeah. There's a lot of bombshells in this episode. So just picking one at random, can someone justify to me how come seven of nine can't join Starfleet? Uh, well, that makes no sense. Well, I'm, Captain Picard was assimilated and led an attack on a Starfleet, on the Starfleet. Destroyed a fleet yes. and then attacked Earth. Yes. And then he right. was back commanded the Enterprise by the end of the episode. <laughs> Echeb was in Starfleet. Right. Seven yeah. Nine was on Voyager for like four years. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I've listened to podcasts that joke about the fact that if you look at it, data gets reprogrammed and taken over so many times, he should have been drummed out of Starfleet. Jordy tried to assassinate okay. a guy. Right. That's what I was going to say. You don't have to be a machine person to be taken over or reprogrammed because it happened to, it can happen to anybody. I mean, Troy was taken over a couple of times and tried to commandeer the ship. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, it can happen. Poor O'Brien. That's every other week, man. Or O'Brien. Oh my God, that poor dude. And we know he's the most important man in the universe. That's true. Uh, um, But yeah, I know that's a very good point. That made zero sense to me. I also, um, in addition to that, Charles, how, how many, how, how much time has passed between season two and season one in Picard? I don't know, a year. A year. Or so? uh, they said it. They said it, and I don't remember what it is. I think it was it's, two years. I think it's yeah. two years. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I also wrote down. Rafi just now got around asking Seven if she was ever in Starfleet. Thought trying to join Starfleet. Maybe been yeah. lovers two years. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then they start talking about the middle of a crisis again. Uh, <laughs> right. Oh, let's not get in on that like middle of a crisis kind of scenario tonight, because there was, there was a lot of that this week. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. I just wanted. Okay. So I had a very hard time focusing on this episode, mostly because every time something was starting to get going, Picard would have a daydream about <laughs> some nonsense that happened. And okay. Now the resolution of that was uh, incredible. And I want to get to that later, but okay. Throughout the episode, you know, as it's like, you know, sort of like unfolding, I was like, this is just not the time for um, Orla Brady to like stop Patrick Stewart and say, follow that, that, that thought, that memory that you're having, see where it leads you. It better lead you outside into taking over that (laughs) because that's what you're here for. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It's um yeah, I, I have the same problem. And I've talked about on the show before. I, I usually get up real early in the morning before work and watch it at like 4 a.m. And I'm usually it's fine. And this morning there's just these long sequences where I just found myself nodding off and I had to like yeah. wake myself back up as a little bit of a struggle, not because it was boring. Um, it just wasn't really engaging me. Yes. Um, and I will say too, I just wanted to throw this out there that 
if say hypothetically, you, you guys are my friends. If hypothetically, if the, a Borg ever downloads itself into my brain mm-hmm. and then uses my body to go on a killing spree or try to take over the earth and that sort of thing. And then I tell you, you know what? Actually, me and the Borg are cool and we're going to stay <laughs> together. I would like for you to rescue me anyway and then make sure after that that I want to become a Borg. Yeah, I do not understand where that A, came from, B, is going to go. And don't give them your only ship. Yeah, that's what I don't get. Like, before they traded, um, what's his face? He was on this episode. Why can't I remember his name? Rios? Rios? No, the kid. Elnor? Elnor. They traded Elnor's life to save the Borg Queen because she was the only way to get back. And now they traded Seven's life for the Borg Queen and the ship. Right. Yeah. So now the Borg Queen and the ship are gone. And what? what? For Seven's life. Because Seven's life is more important than Elnor's life. And I don't know why Rocky's oh. not furious. Yeah, could they have just said, <laughs> okay, thanks for saving our life, but we're not giving you the ship after all that. Yeah. yeah. You don't think a board queen with a ship might disrupt the timeline in some way? Right. Yeah, I thought that was weird. We talked about um, a Voyager episode a while back that I liked. I think it was called Unity. And I don't know if y'all remember that one. It's the one where Chakotay discovers a group of people who used to be Borg, but they were free to the Borg. Uh, yeah. But they were living on a planet where there was a whole bunch of violent people and they wanted to get away from this planet. And what they end up doing, long story short, is they, they tricked Chakotay and giving them of some Borg components such that these people created a new little Borg collective mm-hmm. and they flew off on the ship and they were really good people. I mean, they were able to use uh, being they were, they were able to merge themselves in a Borg mind unit to do things like help heal. But at the end of the show, um, Janeway and um, Chakotay were saying, uh-oh, you know, what, 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 what just happened? Because that could become a collective in the future. And so, yeah, when, when Girardi shoots off with this whole Girardi and the Borg queen, like, we're just going to go get Borg who, people who have been injured and people who are depressed and people who are lonely. I'm thinking, but the best, what is it, the best, the best laid plans? Right. Good intentions. The role well, right. intentions. I mean, we've, we've had the Borg on screen for 30 years now or whatever it is. Right. How come no one has ever thought to have a five minute conversation with them and say, <laughs> just, just be nice from now on? <laughs> I mean, I just I just couldn't buy that. And like, I mean, just this show specifically six episodes ago, it was we're in the past. Don't step on a butterfly. You'll change right. the future. And now it's like, sure, the Borg Queen can take our ship. <laughs> yeah. What could go wrong? Right. The, on, the online debates are amazing because people are now saying, is she going to go to the Delta Quadrant and take over the original collective, which will change all of history for Voyager and Deep Space Nine and stuff? I got to assume they're assuming there's something else. Maybe she's just going to hang out in this in the Alpha Quadrant. Well, I don't know. I don't think that ship can make it to the Delta Quadrant. Right. I mean, it would have to have something to slingshot it over there. I mean, it can't just yeah. like fuel itself to you know fly that far yeah i think she's going to affect nothing until they get back to the present and then her mask (laughs) opens and it was gerardi all along in that board yeah suit i think that's a ooh, that's good okay so Uh, let's talk about that i wouldn't say it's good okay okay (laughs) i think it's because you know at the beginning of the season i was like oh my god picard's mother is going to turn out to be the board queen (laughs) that's true (laughs) that's really what they look like they were leading up to um, but okay, first of all, when and how are we going to get back to the future? Second of all, the thing that I find the most interesting about this season 
is the Borg wanting to join the Federation? Mm-hmm. When are we going to get back to that? Oh my God, that is driving me crazy because I'm three. like, well, I know that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that's going to somehow be the groundwork for season three. Yeah, it almost have to be because if they, yeah. they can't wrap everything up in one hour. Oh, well, no, they, can't. they can't because we already know that season two and season three are like produced back to back. And we right. know that there are characters that continue over like uh, John Delancey has said that he's in seasons two and three. So there's going to be some continuation. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I have a question, which I've always been a little confused about. How many board queens? Is there always 100 percent just one board queen at any time? That's what I've always thought. Right. We've only seen one at a time. We, one at a time. Right. Okay. So this one was the Borg Queen. And is, can we assume that this Borg Queen who would met, well, the Borg Queen in first contact was killed, right? And then there was another Borg Queen in um, Voyager. Keith, nobody knows how the Borg Queens work. I don't even. <laughs> right. Come on. I'm going to have you always ask right us. There. You always ask us these questions like like we're going to have answers. The people who wrote the episodes don't know. They don't know either. Yeah, and and I forget now, one of the treatments they kind of indicate, might have been first contact, they kind of indicate the Borg Queen is just some alien woman who became the Borg Queens. I'm very confused about how the Borg Queen works. Is it an entity whose mind gets transferred from body to body? We don't know. Is it a different person? (laughs) I'm lost. But but it has to... It has to be uh, like someone's mind who gets transferred to body to body, but those bodies have to all really look alike. <laughs> Unless the actress isn't available. Yes. Yeah. And and then also there was a whole thing in the first season of Picard where uh, Seven became the Borg Queen, but then the Borg Queen let her go because she said Annika has more to do. Yeah. Is that going to relate at all to any of this? Probably, Probably not, not, but uh, throwing that out there. Okay. Well, getting off the Borg Queen for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> on Voyager, the a 29th century time ship came back in time and yeah. that and gave them a mobile emitter, which the doctor had. Yes, How did the right. Confederation timeline La Serena get a mobile emitter? And why did he have a mobile emitter anyway? Why did because, he need a mobile emitter? Yeah, he wouldn't need one. I'm talking about Elnor here. He was so Elnor had a Elnor had a mobile emitter. Had a mobile yeah. emitter. Yeah. I thought I, I saw that and I made a note. I didn't that catch it. that. I, I I made a note. Did I see a mobile emitter on him? Uh, I don't know. Why would there have to be one? I mean, uh-huh. that whole ship is rigged up to, to mm-hmm. you know, because uh, all of Rios's copies just walk all around the whole ship wherever mm-hmm. they want to go. And presumably, you can disappear and reappear, right? So, he, right. Uh, so uh, the whole time, every time he was hiding from them, I was like, just disappear and reappear. What are you doing? <laughs> I didn't get that either. You're right. He was That's hiding. Funny. He was panting like he was, um, well, yeah. like he had adrenaline going. And then when right. he was fighting the board queen in the sword fight, he was dodging her sword thrust. Well, why? Uh, because then when she finally hit him with the beam, he truly dissipated like you'd yeah. expect would happen. And I, I will say I would have gone phaser rifle over Katana. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I would have gone right phaser pistols over phaser rifle because then at least you have two aims. True. Instead True. of just one. True. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, um, I'm, I'm questioning his battle skills there. <laughs> Not really. Well, you said you saw him a mobile emitter, but did we see him leave the ship? No, um, he didn't leave the ship. He was just walking around the ship. Like when oh. they when they like used him for the code, he dissipated or something, mm. didn't he? He yeah. like touched the thing and then he disappeared. Well, I figured out if they don't bring him back for by changing the timeline, they'll just bring him back like the Doctor and Voyager. He'll be uh, yeah, holy. that's true. 
That's yeah. true. That's true. That's a good point. I mean, we now have a way for him to continue. I on. don't know. The ship flew off. He's off of the board queen somewhere. If he is yeah. off of the board queen somewhere. Exactly. Back in next episode, like, oops, okay, we changed Get our mind. Right. <laughs> or maybe he's still he's still in the ship. So he's gonna do something to disrupt. He it. is still in the ship. Mm-hmm. So yes, and they're gonna find some way to dial into his mobile emitter and like he's going to be the key he's the linchpin to this picard plan that he hasn't had all season yeah and how how did why why did the hologram of of elnor have any of elnor's memories or feelings at all why would he have the ship scans them well that's how holodex work though well, I guess well, you're right, though, because this no. is a Federation timeline ship. I forgot about that again. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, also, there's wh- no reason why, it would have that. Why <laughs> is this ship programmed to make copies of any person that comes aboard? Yeah. That's super convenient. Yeah, I agree, Alan. So that means that even if Rios goes to the future, he can still have the nurse and her son because there are copies of them on the ship now. That's true. <laughs> well, so it, they it, can still be on the show next year, even if the original people stay on Earth. If he back. gets if he gets lost, Serena back. If well, that's, that's true. Then they will. It. And that's what throws me. Even if it kept their their images, you know, their 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 their, their appearance, why would it have their personalities? Is it recording right. everything? Or their memories? All the all the, the way up to the last living second of of thought that Elnor yep. had. Yeah, because he said that his was last very strange. Thought. Exactly. That makes no sense unless his personality had, was being copied the whole time. Which yeah, like, is, never is all Serena automatically scanning your brain all the time, <laughs> downloading all your memories just in case? <laughs> you don't understand wow. that this is actually the progression of the technology that begins with Alexa. And <laughs> Google is always listening. And that is where all this comes from. It started with Elon Musk buying Twitter. And it's just gone crazy. <laughs> right. I'm trying not to confuse how holograms work on Star Trek versus how yeah. they work on Red Dwarf and saying, okay, which. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Well, a big thing in this episode was the flashbacks. Yeah. So, any thoughts there? Too many. Yes. No. I'm not understanding what the point of the flashbacks is, other than it's just let Picard unburden himself and now he can love again. And he realized that he's been <laughs> he's been mixing love with regret and guilt, which is why he's held himself back from everybody mm-hmm. from Beverly to this. Right. Loop. I honestly and I, and I honestly I'm, I'm, I'm serious when I say this, I am trying really hard not to be super critical. Mm-hmm. But I honestly felt like that was an entire plot line that didn't belong in this this mm-hmm. um, part. It yeah. just felt so different. And like, Alan, I think you said every five minutes they would, they would flash back. I mean, he couldn't even get around the house without flashing back to a traumatic <laughs> event. And after a while, I just, I honestly felt like I was watching two parallel storylines that were not meshing well to in me. In the middle of a patch pitch battle. I know it's yes. the emotional resonance is the resolution of that. That's the yeah. point of it, but do it off out away from the battle. I mean, it's kind of distracting yes. when you're in the middle of the battle. Right. <laughs> and it, it isn't as if this is the first time he's re-entered the house since childhood. Yeah. Uh, he's yeah, lived exactly. in that house for the last few he, years. Right. Exactly. Like that's his that's his house. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, it's not like he's gone yeah. back to his family home for the first time since childhood. Now he's remembering. Like, dude, but, there every day. But he's yes. clearly not been in the lower levels. Okay. In that whole time. Which okay. A, that's weird, but B. You know, it's it's not implausible. Yeah. Has he ever gone into the solarium? Maybe not. Maybe that's a place that he has avoided up until mm-hmm. this season. Yeah. So he's lived in the house, but he has not lived fully 
in the entire structure. That's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's my justification. <laughs> okay. Emotional blocks yeah. prevented going to right. the house to you know, he was voiding yeah. those memories. Right. Right. Well, I'm, right. I'm even okay with that. It just it just feels I, I think it's been inexpertly grafted into the rest of the of the plot lines. Because yeah. as Alan was saying, I was so aware that they kept jumping back and forth between those. And it's been like that a lot. Um well, and it doesn't inform the story that's happening right now. No, not really. Not you know, really. I mean, they made attempts for it too. you know, yeah. like that's where the idea of hiding, play hide and seek with the guys with the guns came mm-hmm. from. And that's how he remembered how to get into the lower level by finding the. That's another thing. Brent Spiner and his goons found the entrance to the lower levels <laughs> way too simply. Yes, that was that was just that was no that would not have yeah. happened yeah. especially in a darkly lit room or unlit room that's just that was nonsensical mm. yes yeah i'm thinking i must not like this episode too much because i'm I, thinking i'm discovering <laughs> that i just really didn't. i mean i'm no okay i yeah. also also i wasn't on last week's recording True. so mm-hmm. when i listened to uh the playback you know i, I always listen to our episodes anyway but this one i got mm-hmm. to listen to with fresh ears, I wasn't involved. And I don't know if y'all, I don't think you commented on this, but last week you all were saying exactly the same things, like almost verbatim. <laughs> you were saying at this point in Discovery, yeah. where we're two episodes from the end and you're saying exactly the same things. It's a long story. They've run out of steam. I don't think they can, I don't see how it can tie itself up in, in two more yeah. episodes. I'm, it was like, I was like, oh my God, we could have just replayed that episode. <laughs> and it's the same stuff. So yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And so I think, now we're now we're one episode left. Is that a criticism of the shows or of us? I would say it's the show. I would say it's the show because well, I flashback. I flash back to what Matt said when Matt said it's been, um, what did you say, Matt? Something to the effect that it's been more bad than good. And Matt, you you said pretty much what we said. You said you like the people, the performances, and a lot of it you like. But I think you, I'm putting words in your mouth, but it was kind of like, but what's the overall story really, right? Did he say that? Um, well, actually, I did say more good than bad, or at least I that, He did say that. <laughs> but, right. uh, I do I do see the, 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 the flaws in the overall arcing plot. Yeah. And um, and the, the what you said about uh, not being able to resolve it, not too many subplots added in to efficiently tell the main plot they're trying to tell. I think y'all right. brought that up as well. I, I agree 100 yeah. percent with that. Well, we came back in time ostensibly to save the future, to stop the yeah. to change in the timeline. We've not done that yet. We're we've been in the past for six episodes now. Mm. Has it only been six? It seems maybe like it's, maybe it's been 12 seven. or 15. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, we're veering back next week to Renee Picard again because we've not heard from Renee yes. Picard in like a couple of weeks now. Yeah, and now we got to create a second one somehow. Yeah, I don't know what what I, I don't get it. What yeah. it'll this make was, sense next week. How this was like a Doctor Who based on their stage episode is what this one was like. See, they they also yeah. said that these flashbacks with Picard would be in canon with what happened on TNG. But they did that with like a throwaway line of, oh, yes, I just blocked all these memories out. And I would just imagine that she would ask me to sit down with T and, and I would ask her how she's doing. I didn't mind that. Okay. Because, oh, I loved that. Yeah, because that was I mean, for one, it wasn't actually his mother. It was a, a vision of her. 
Exactly. And he was, it was, he was, he was very awkward about it at the time. I thought that that retcon actually, uh, for one, I was just glad that they threw that line in yes. so that they can tell their story. That goes back to our canon discussion. So at least they're acknowledging yes. that they're changing something and mm-hmm. providing an explanation. So I, I, I was so well, I'm with Veronica. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hang on, hang on. What is it that they changed? That Picard had a vision of his mother as an old lady. Yes. On next gen. And we're, from yes, that, we're led to assume that his mother was an old lady at some point. No. Okay. So I went back. At, <laughs> <laughs> I assume that. Yes. <laughs> well, okay, fine. But, but she did say, he said, say, how can you be here when you are? And she said dead. So mm-hmm. it, it doesn't say when she died. True. True. But, but she was an old lady. You assume she died. You would, of old you age. would assume that. I mean, okay. I, did. I mean, okay. okay. And looking at Picard, you would assume his mother's dead anyway. He's an yes. older man, right? Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, but I, that said, though, I mean, they acknowledge the fact that he would have a vision of her as an old lady. So great. And, exactly. And I can buy this as a new backstory for Picard. The Picard we've always known doesn't like to go back to France wanted to get as far from France as possible. He didn't want to go back to the Chateau. He didn't get along with yeah. his family. He doesn't like, he, he, in the first episode, he said, I'm not a family man, Riker. I'm not mm-hmm. comfortable with kids. So I can, I can absolutely buy this as a new backstory for Picard. Um, what bothered me about it is that, I mean, if someone is like violently suicidal, you don't lock mm. them in the room and leave them unsupervised. <laughs> no. So that no. a 12 year old could let them out. You know what I mean? Like, I, that, it, yeah, that's, that is, yeah. I, I've got a family member who's, has dealt with suicide a lot over in the last attempted suicide a lot in the last couple of years. And so it's something mm. that we've had a, as a family have had to deal with. And uh, there's people you go to for help for that sort of thing. And yeah. right. I mean, you're in the 24th century. You, you don't lock someone who's an adult, especially who's violently suicidal in a room and walk away where a kid could let them out and they go hang themselves. You know what I mean? That, that <laughs> I, I think that that's just absurd. Yeah. I yeah. I don't know that Maurice was portrayed as being particularly knowledgeable on how best to deal with mm-hmm. uh with her mental illness so that was right. just him dealing with it as best he knew how but he yeah. didn't really have the facilities to handle it okay all right but uh, you know i you said something very similar to that a couple of episodes ago the first time they, they went down there we saw these like two monsters yeah remember yeah um were those actual yeah. aliens or was that just a manifestation of the thing that has been plaguing her that's just got to be a manifestation it's got to be you can't throw aliens in now <laughs> that makes no sense in the story Don't I mean, it. <laughs> um but, but you said something <laughs> something similar to what you just said yeah, because at, at that point right and i and i came up with a with a way to like sort of like defend the okay. the, the scenario and and uh, sort of like justify what we saw on screen. I ain't got nothing this time. <laughs> I mean, I got, I'm you're with in a you, future man. with presumably right. universal health care and yeah. mental, mental health care and right. transporters. You know, <laughs> I, we need an emergency beam out to a mental facility so that she right. can get this, the help that she needs. You know, right. it, it, you're, you're not in 1847. You know what I mean? You don't have to lock her in a room yeah. and then send someone by carriage to fetch a doctor. You know, like <laughs> wow, that's so hilarious. That, that's that part of the storyline doesn't work for me at all. Yeah, and I'm, I'm I felt like the, the the graphic image of his mother hanging him, herself in front of Ooh. her. I feel like was just for shock value. Yeah. Okay, uh, to repeat myself, as you said, Alan, if you play several shows, I probably said something like this. This did that plot line with Picard's mom felt like people saying, hey, how can we make this really dramatic 
and let's change this because in my to my mind again you, you shouldn't rewrite a show to my mind what you're saying charles it could have been that the final truth was that she was pretty much incurably um she had incurable mental okay. problems and maybe she died at an asylum that would allow her to have died as an older woman so that his vision of her as an older mm-hmm. woman would at least have been accurate instead of having to do the whole thing where she killed herself when she was younger i thought that was a and this is what I feel I've seen sometimes with Discovery and Picard. I honestly feel sometimes they sit down and they say, "Let's how can we make this thing really super dramatic <laughs> and connect to all this stuff? And they start making these changes. Not that it's quote unquote wrong to make a change, mm-hmm. but I think sometimes they make, changes, make changes because they make changes because they're trying to get to this thing. And this is what it goes back to. You can work with an established continuity and canon and still tell a great story. So that you don't have to give the throwaway line of mom, 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 mom. Sometimes I, I used to think of her as an older woman who offered me tea and wanted to chat. So I agree. I felt that that whole thing of her hanging herself and so forth didn't make sense. They could have just told a story where she was incurably, she had incurable problems and maybe she died in an so asylum. What, was, it a, was it a bridge too far? Yes, it was for me. For well, me. I just thought they had foreshadowed um, something bad happening mm-hmm. in the game of hide and seek when he said, mm-hmm. I think he said something about that is when I lost her or something. was something right. that effect. Yeah. yeah. And I had yeah. assumed they were heading to where during the game of hide and seek, she was going to abandon them, run away is what I had. Yeah. Me too. Mm. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Did we, I thought so did too. Did we ever see her? I mean, I just feel like we, we weren't shown her at a point where she would have committed that drastic of an act. You know yeah. what I mean? Like no. we weren't ever no. shown okay. how deeply she was affected by this. Mm. I agree. And I think that's because they were, they were that, that storyline was, it feels inserted too much into the running around on earth. Yeah. In the 20th, well, a lot of it too, is we're seeing it through his recollections. Well, that's, that's true. So yeah, a lot of it is things that he as a child weren't aware of. Wasn't that's very aware true. Of. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Boy, this was a, do you remember? Okay, this is this is going to jump back to last season of Discovery again. But do you remember that point where we were, where we just like we were all gung ho about the series, and then there was a turning point. <laughs> after after every the episode, boxing episode, we just yeah. right, we just like bagged on every episode, and I yeah. feel like that's where we've gotten with this one too. Well, yeah, well, again, it's, it's like we said. I, I every single performance I enjoy, mm-hmm. and you know, every single performance. But as a, as a total, as a whole, like for example, um, Girardi, the performance of the actress is fantastic. But some of the plots, like for example, like, and I'm going to do the technical geek. Well, I don't use the word geek. I'm going to use the technical thing. For example, she was bragging to the Borg Queen, yeah, yeah, I locked the ship down, and blah blah blah, and even I don't know the password. Then she comes up, Elnor, and goes, and I hid the key in him. Why did she tell her that? <laughs> I mean, it was like a weird, dramatic. You don't tell anybody. It, yeah. it was just a weird, dramatic moment. And then it, for me, and I'm sorry, I got to say this, guys. I got to be the. I got to be the deadbeat here. I got really sick of all those green laser rifle scopes. After <laughs> a while. I was like, well, I get it. They're bored. That's hilarious. <laughs> I was thinking that too. Yes. It does seem tactically unsound <laughs> to sneak up on somebody yes. with a giant spotlight. <laughs> right. You're location. right. Right. <laughs> I'll hide behind this wall. I can tell they can see me if I go past this wall. Okay. Right. <laughs> that was great. And, that was you know, that was funny. Yeah. And and the guy, he's only looking exactly where the green laser is. So if I just hide around the corner, <laughs> where the laser can't find me, he can't find me. Right. Um, I do want to say that I at, at least at this point in the series, which we're almost through the end, Allison Pill is kind yeah. of my 
MVP of the season. Yes. I think she has been phenomenal. And especially in the episodes where she's playing both herself and the board queen and the yep. way that her, her, her whole mannerism changes. Mm-hmm. I've really, really loved watching her work this season. Yes. Yeah. Hey, that's, that's a good thing, Ellen. If you, if you talk about the people that impress you the most, because if I'm following up on you, I would say, and I, forgive me, I forget the actor's name, but the, uh, the actor playing yep. Rios. Uh, he has become my favorite. Yeah, he's become my yeah. favorite of this season. He, he's effortlessly, effortlessly yes. charming. He and his little family he found. And yes, I was sad yes. that he didn't stay with them and they didn't come with him. Yeah. Oh, uh, no. I know. You're going well, down to the 95%, yeah. and we're all betting, okay, this is the moment where he decides to stay with them. And, and <laughs> nope. I didn't quite want to play that. It right. can still happen. Oh, yes, yes. That's true. It doesn't look likely. Well, yeah, we'll see. Well, because well, because uh, here's a point: Teresa and her son know way too much about the future. Now, I I, I can see Teresa keeping her mouth shut, but her mm. son. No, we're gonna have to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he'll just be the crackpot from the neighborhood who thinks he got a bunch of bait. That's true. That's true. Or they could do they could get Teresa, her son, and that 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 fired agent, and take them all to the future. The one who got the mind right. gold who helped them last right. week. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, next week we've got the finale, and we also have the series premiere of Strange New Worlds. Ooh, so, it's baby, gonna be, it's uh, going to be a big week. Big week next week. Oh, thank you very much, Matt, for joining us this week. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks, Matt. I had a blast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Where where can people find more of you? I'm very active on some of the Facebook groups, Earth Station Trek, Earth Station One, Earth Station Who. Um, I comment on a lot of things there. Um, I I have a Twitter account. I'm not that active there, but if you really search me out, you might hear me. Uh, <laughs> you might see me uh, post like uh, links to like trying to win uh, box sets of baseball cards or some BS. That's <laughs> 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 not all I do on Twitter. Nice, <laughs> awesome. Where can people find more of you, Alan? Oh, let's see. I have another podcast called Modern Musicology. Uh, so look for me there. And also CosmicPress.com. K-O-Z-M-I-C Press.com. And how about you, Keith? You can find me on Twitter. But like Matt, I don't use Twitter very much because it, it constrains your speech too much. And I don't mean <laughs> freedom of speech. I mean number of characters. <laughs> and primarily on the ESO Network Facebook groups. And how about us, Veronica? Feltnerdy.com. And? Monkeying Around. You podcast Ooh. about the monkeys. Yep. And Yay. with Matt's wife, Elaine Sweatman, is yep. on that podcast with us. Awesome. That's right. And the episode that will be coming out tomorrow, as this episode comes out on Monday, we have a musical guest, uh, an expert <laughs> on music, the uh, the host <laughs> of the Modern Musicology podcast, discussing the first Monkeys album with us, Mr. Alan Seiler. Woohoo! Do you have a closing for us this week? Nope. <laughs> hey, 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 Matt, do you have a closing for us? Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> oh, way to put him on the spot. Oh, good Lord. Put me on the spot, don't you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Live long and prosper. Hey, there great. Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. Hey. 
This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.